Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the main act of tonight's show here at Haley Circus. This family has been with us a long time and have been and have perfected the art of acrobatics and trapeze. So please welcome the great family that is known as the Flying Graysons. John Grayson, husband and father, takes to the rope and the trapeze first. He grabs the wire and smiles at his son, Richard. John jumps from the platform to meet his wife, Mary, mid-swing and spiral twirls as Mary finishes her twist and grabs John's hands. They swing back to the platform Mary jumped from and both set their feet down safely. John faces the platform that his son is standing on and gestures that it's his turn. Ladies and gentlemen, the youngest, and some would say the most gifted of the Flying Graysons, son Richard, will be performing the next spiral and spin without a net. The large crowd of Gotham citizens gasp as John catches his son as Dick pulls himself out of his spin. John swings Richard back to the platform that Dick has jumped from, and John himself swings to Mary, who helps him back onto their platform. Mary and John will take the trapeze wire together next, and John will toss Mary to their son, Dick, while Dick swings them back to safety. As they jump from the platform, John can tell right away there's something wrong with the trapeze wire. He can tell the wire is coming loose. His only thought is to get Mary to Dick before the wire snaps, which at this point, he knows it's going to happen. Dick is standing on the other platform, getting ready to send the other line out to his mom. He notices a strange look on his father's face, and Dick gets the gut feeling that this isn't going to work out. He watches his father toss his mother, but at that moment, the trapeze wire snaps, and both Graysons fall to their end, while Richard is left watching. Remembering, though, that two thugs were at the circus earlier that day trying to extort money from Mr. Haley, the circus owner. At that moment, Dick looks down and sees two thugs, the same two thugs, running to the exit. Dick climbs down as fast as he can to catch the thugs, but is met by a human wall. Billionaire and bachelor, Bruce Wayne, who was there on a date and watching, saw the whole show. He stops Dick from leaving the circus and pursuing the gangsters. Bruce embraces Dick as Dick goes into a frantic explanation of what he saw earlier and what he knows. Bruce recounts the passing and the mugging of his own parents to an emotional Dick, which seems to calm him down. Bruce also explains that he saw the two men fleeing, but not to worry. He knows someone who can help. Within days, Bruce Wayne has taken up custody of Richard John Grayson. And it's not long before Bruce can tell that if Dick doesn't learn to harness his anger, he's going to do something stupid. And with that thought, Bruce decides it's time to share his secret with Dick. After months of rigorous training, blood, sweat, and tears, Dick is presented with his red breastplate, with a black R splashed over a yellow emblem. And with that, Robin is born. Good day, babblers, and welcome to Week 10 of Nerd Babble, where we take a deep dive into my favorite hero, 
Richard John Grayson. From his young days as the boy wonder, to his short runs as the dark knight, to letting go and taking back up the mantle of Nightwing. Hope you guys are ready to take a deep dive through Gotham and Bloodhaven with me. And welcome, babblers, to a babble of Nightwing. So my love for Dick Grayson started from me at a young, young age. See, I, I'm the youngest in my family. Uh, and at points, my sister wouldn't ever let me forget that I was the baby. She dubbed me her Robin at a very young age. And I'm not sure why, but it was apparent to her I was her sidekick. This continued until I was about 12 when my dad finally told me that Dick Grayson becomes Nightwing and leaves Batman to take up a name for himself. Well, at that age, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. You're telling me that Robin broke away from that role and became his own hero? It was at that point that I picked up my first Nightwing comic. It was also at that point that I told my sister I'm not a sidekick anymore. To which, she just laughed. The character of Richard John Grayson was first introduced in Detective Comics number 38 in April of 1940. His origin is just as well known as uh, that of his mentors, Batman, or even the last son of Krypton, Superman. As, as I described in the intro, because of a mafia crime lord, Tony Zuko, who extorts the owner of Haley's Circus, once both realize no agreement will come, Zuko hires two hitmen to cut the flying Grayson's wires, bringing both Mary and John to their death. When Dick Grayson made his first appearance in April of 1940, creator and artist Bill Finger and Bob Kane, I'm sure had no idea the future that would come for the first young hero that had been created. When Robin was first introduced in Detective Comics, it was done to gain more of a youthful following and readership by introducing a character the young readers could relate to. The name Robin, the boy wonder, and the medieval look of the original costume are directly inspired by the legendary hero Robin Hood. Jerry Robinson is the man who came up with the idea of Robin's costume. He based it in memory of illustrations of Robin Hood done by artist N.C. Wyeth. Dick Grayson's origin story is very, very comparative to that of his mentors, Bruce Wayne's. Both became orphans after their parents are killed by criminals. Having both seen these actions, the moments instilled a huge urge in both Bruce and Dick take up a mantle and battle the evil that took their parents. When Bruce takes on Dick Grayson as his ward, he's already aware of the ac acrobatic skills that Dick is capable of with his training as a flying Grayson. Now with the anger he's feeling towards crime lord Tony Zuko, Bruce knows Dick is going to search for revenge the same way he did after his parents were killed. Because of this, Bruce decides to take on Dick as his first sidekick. The relationship between Dick and Bruce would dive deep, and both characters have admitted that it was more like a father-son relationship than a partnership to fight against crime. This became especially apparent as the character of Dick started to age in the 80s and wanted to take on a role for himself instead of just being cast in Batman's shadow. During the 1940s and 50s, it became rare that Batman was published without his sidekick Robin. They were featured so much together in the comics that DC started to demo the team and christened them the dynamic duo. 
It would seem that Dick's story and his alter ego, Robin, had attracted enough people because in 1947, Robin was featured in his own story in Star Spangled Comics, and it ran until 1952. DC Comics, even in its early years, was known for having a multiverse, which sometimes can get convoluted because so many stories get mixed together from one Earth to the other. This is the same with Dick Grayson. The Earth 2 Robin accordingly adopts most of Robin's early stories between 1940 and 1950. Now the problem with this is the Dick Grayson we know is from what DC calls Earth 1. The origin story is basically the same with slight differences. Instead of Bruce going to help Dick, uh, Bruce takes off after seeing the Grayson fall to the death. He gets the bat suit. Grabs Dick, bring us to, brings him to the back cave, leaves them there, and says, "Survive." <clears throat> I'm sure you've all seen pictures of the back cave. You know the giant dino, the giant Tyrannosaurus Rex in one corner, a huge two-faced coin in the other, or even just a penny, uh, a big splash of a Joker card. This is not a place for a young man to be by himself and saying, "Survive." Now, luckily for us, Alfred, good old Alfred Pennyworth, finds Dick, feeds him, and helps him. When Bruce finds this out, he basically attacks Alfred, and Alfred reminds him that you decided to take up what you're doing. You are forcing this man into what you want him to do. In Earth One story, Bruce really gives no option to Dick. You saw your parents die. You saw something happened. You're going to train. You're going to take this up. And this is what's going to happen. It's a little bit of a darker story, but it's what came of it. Now, both Robins were depicted for years in separate stories until 1985 when DC did a series called Crisis on Infinite Earths where the older Robin is killed off leaving only Robin from Earth 1 so the Robin that we know uh, they did this to fix the continuity and focus on the main stories instead of publishing stories for the same character twice in two different worlds basically this was also the case for Jay Garrick the original Flash from Earth 2 uh, when Earth 2 was destroyed, he was brought into the Earth 1 continuity. Uh, him and Barry both remember there being two separate Earths. They are aware of it. But Jay's brought in with Keystone City and Coast City beside each other, bringing in the idea of two separate universes being combined into one. It's how DC in 1985 decided that they were going to fix the continuity that had been so convoluted over the years that when the JLA was created, there was already the Justice Society of America, which had Alan Scott, the Green Lantern, Jay Garrick as the Flash, to come back and introduce this Justice League of America and have you know, a Flash already, or introduce a Green Lantern in Hal Jordan. They had to do things to fix this and bring everything together, and they did that, again, with Crisis on Infinite Earths. The Arrowverse uh, television series has done something of the sorts with that. So, yeah. 1964 was a huge year. 
not only for the character of Dick Grayson, but for sidekicks everywhere. A comic called The Brave and the Bold featured Garth, or Aqualad, which was Aquaman's sidekick, Wally West, or Kid Flash, (laughs) obviously that's the Flash's sidekick, and of course, Dick Grayson, Robin, Batman's first sidekick. In issue 54 of The Brave and the Bold, the three were featured together as a team who took out who took on a menace called Mr. Twister. What a name, eh, for a bad guy. Like, you know, you have the weather weather wizard, you know, Mr. Freeze, you know, Captain Cold, and then all of a sudden you get this Mr. Twister. You obviously know he's going to be uh uh not a great bad guy, but enough for these three, you know, younger heroes to take on after this issue dc comics had realized they had a way to appeal to even more of a young audience by giving them a team just like the justice league but with a younger appeal so later garth wally and dick would add two other members to their team the other two being roy harper also known as speedy which was Green Arrow's sidekick, and Donna Troy, or Troya, Wonder Girl, if you will, who is Wonder Woman's younger sister and sidekick. The first time these five joined for- forces is to save their Justice League counterparts that were under control, under mind control. Although it was obvious that Dick wasn't the strongest, or fastest, or meanest of the team, There was no doubt he was the most well-trained, having mastered dozens of forms of martial arts, not to mention his detective skills, which he was still honing, but, Bruce had said, were developing at an exceptional rate. Due to this, the team's JLA members saw what Bruce also saw in his ward and said that Dick should be the leader of this young team. None of the others disagreed, making Dick the leader of his first team, and christening them the Teen Titans. So there you go, guys. For all of these parents, I'm sure, who are listening, uh, since I've seen the age group, and I'm sure there's a bunch of us, for all of you guys out there, and you guys are like, oh, man, that's not the Teen Titans. It is. The original team is not Starfire, Raven, Cyborg, Beast Boy, and Robin. It's actually Wonder Girl. Speedy, which I think is great that Roy Harper was part of the original Teen Titans. So there you have it. There were two people that didn't have special abilities. You had Roy, who was an extremely good archer. Obviously, he's trained by Oliver Queen, Green Arrow. And you had Dick, who was trained by the greatest detective, because the only detective that beats Batman is Shakespeare. Uh, Shakespeare, sorry, is Sherlock Holmes. See the two names getting confused. But yeah, the only other detective that can beat Batman, I would say, would be Sherlock. And even Sherlock had a sidekick, John Watson. Well, so do we compare Dick Grayson to Watson? Or do we compare Robin to Watson? Well, we should. But these, this team, this Teen Titans, was not this goofy team. They were trying to break away from their predecessors. They were trying to get out of the shadows of the heroes who were training them. They wanted to be their own people. Over the years, 
DC has canceled and restarted the Teen Titans series so much. But one thing has always remained. No matter the creation, no matter the time, Dick Grayson is always the first leader. In 1980, Marv Wolfman took over the writing along with artist uh, George Perez. They took over on the Teen Titans and decided uh, he, they were both going to form a new team. They introduced characters such as Raven, Starfire, Cyborg, and included Doom Patrol member Beast Boy, who was now going by Changeling. So if you hear me mention Changeling, uh, just remember it's Beast Boy. I go between the two because I've read both of them. I know where he was who and who he was when he was this. So just remember you can interchange the two. With these four, they joined Dick, Donna, and Wally and dubbed themselves the new Teen Titans. The series progressed for years with new members and old members coming and going. But big things were happening among the Titans in 1984. In issue two of the new Teen Titans, a villain named the Terminator, better known as Deathstroke, was introduced. He becomes a huge villain for the Titans, and a personal hate really develops between him and Dick. This is important because the Terminator, or Deathstroke, you'll hear me go between the two, plays a huge part in the mental health of some of the Titans. And either he has a direct effect on them, or it's an effect that happens later because they realize that it should be him that they're blaming and not someone else. So 1984 started a series entitled The New Teen Titans, The Judas Contract. It was a four-part series that ran from issue 41 to 44 of the New Teen Titans and a couple of shots in between that they added for the graphic novel later on in 1988. This story was written and edited by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. George was also the artist on this run. Most fans regard this story as Wolfman and Perez's best work during their time with the Titans. The Judas Contract itself was a culmination of a subplot that I already stated was started in New Teen Titans number two with the introduction of the Terminator Deathstroke and the Hive. The Hive had had put out a contract on the Titans to get rid of them and Deathstroke or the Terminator. The name got changed because of the movie when it came out with Arnold. Deathstroke just started going under Deathstroke uh, instead of the Terminator. It's what happened. That was the idea. Um, But yeah, the Hive had put out a contract on the Titans. Deathstroke takes up this uh, contract and goes after them. So he's been monitoring every Titan member who's come and gone to see how he can take them down. So the story of the Judas Contract begins with Dick Grayson and Wally West, so Robin and Kid Flash, giving up their positions as crime fighters. It happened so much that they had seen so many team members either pass or leave or something bad happened that uh, both Dick and Wally agreed that they couldn't do it anymore. It was too much. They had 
there was way more pain than there was good being a superhero. So both of them give it up. More Wally than Dick, because Dick is still involved with the Titans. He's just not wearing a uniform. So Donna Troy, or Troya as she's called at that time, has taken up the role as the leader. And again, even though Dick isn't wearing his Robin costume, he still plays a slight role in helping the Titans. The group has also adopted a new protege, and her name is Tara Markov. She is the sister of Geoforce, uh, who is also a member of Batman's team called the Outsiders at this point. So her brother is fighting with Batman, and she's fighting with Robin, in a sense, right? She's not a full-fledged member yet, but she is certainly on her way to a member position. It's also clear that Tara has won the heart and mind of young Changeling. So Beast Boy develops this huge crush on Tara. Uh, You see it in Teen Titans Go a little bit. There is that, uh, you know, you can't stay away. That little song that he sings for Tara and then she gets put into the hole by Raven. So you'll understand the relationship that Beast Boy has here. Now the problem with Tara though isn't is she isn't who she seems. Being able to control the earth uh, by raising pieces of it, raising pieces of land and using it as a weapon, Tara's also a spy for Deathstroke, keeping a close eye on the Teen Titans for the Terminator. So Tara has been trained by Deathstroke. She has been implanted by him to spy on the Titans. So she's there to get this information and to break them down. She, again, she also has control of earth and rock, basically. She's able to raise it up out of the ground. She can lift pieces of the earth. She can manipulate it to whatever she wants. She is not a little girl that they think she is. She's not the safe person. She is legitimately a Terminator. She is out there to get the Titans and to help Deathstroke. It's soon realized that Tara's mental health begins to break down during a training exercise. Tara takes a couple of jabs from Beast Boy. And like, you know, comical jabs, right? Beast Boy being Beast Boy. Not so much as in Teen Titans Go, but he's still got a sense of humor. Well, Tara unfortunately doesn't react too kindly to this and uses her full power and potential in an attack against Changeling, which almost cripples him. Could you imagine Beast Boy going down and being taken out by someone that he's, you know, to him romantically linked to? He has these strong feelings for her and she just busts him like that, loses her control. Her mind goes all foggy and kapow! And next thing you know, Beast Boy is is on the ground with Cyborg going to help him. And, you know, Donna being like, what the heck's going on? So the rest of the Titans who aren't helping Beast Boy, they get Terra calmed down. But it's during this time that good old Raven realizes there is something far more dangerous about this girl than what they think. Now here's Terra's spy part that happens. Once Terra has delivered all the information she can about all the Titans including their secret secret identities, Deathstroke starts a full-out attack against the Titans. 
He strikes first against Donna Troy and Starfire. He incapacitates Starfire with a letter bomb and knocks Donna unconscious with a gas mixture. Next, he attacks Cyborg by electrifying a chair in his room. Once Cyborg is unconscious, he basically downloads Cyborg's, con- Cyborg's intel. It's the problem with being half robot, right? Next, <laughs> this is awesome. Deathstroke goes after Dick. But wouldn't you know it? Dick Grayson isn't home. He's not at his apartment. He's actually looking into what's going on because he finds out that part of his team is missing. And frustrated, Deathstroke attacks the last Titan, Beast Boy. Beast Boy ends up licking a bunch of envelopes laced with poison and falls unconscious. Deathstroke thinks of everything. He, he was so well prepared that he had laced envelopes with a poison to take down Beast Boy. How did he know that Beast Boy, that Garfield was going to be doing this stuff? But with all the Titans captured, except of course for Dick, Deathstroke brings them to the Hive, certain that he's fulfilled the contract. However, the Hive passes judgment and tells him he's failed. He hasn't brought in the leader, Robin. What good is it if you bring in half the team, but you're not bringing in the guy that's leading them? So, during this time that the Terminator or Deathstroke is bringing in the Titans, having used his skills taught to him by Batman, Dick has discovered that all, his, all of his former teammates are missing, missing. Dick decides to head back to Titan's Tower to check to see if he can find any further evidence and clues on what happened to his missing members, to his missing teammates. Upon entering, he meets Adeline Kane, Deathstroke's ex-wife. Adeline introduces Dick to her mute son, Joey. Adeline quickly explains to Dick that Tara has been working for Deathstroke since she met the Titans, and she is a spy who has been infiltrating them since the beginning. <clears throat> At first, Dick is a little hesitant to believe Adeline, but then Adeline explains the story of Slade Wilson, Deathstroke, the Terminator, and how he ended up becoming who he is and the assassin that he is. It's also found out that although Joey was born mute, he was born with a gift that allows him to possess other people, and he is actually the son of Slade Wilson, Wilson and Adeline Kane. So, Joey is Deathstroke's son, and he is so eager to help Dick to rescue the other Titans. At this point, Dick realizes that he's never going to be able to give up the superhero persona forever. It's always going to come back. It's always going to get him. He's always going to get pulled in. But he couldn't take up the Robin mantle again. Bruce had already found a new Robin, Jason Todd. So what was Dick to do? He knows. He knew what he had to do. He goes. He designs a new suit. Gets all dressed up. It's blue and yellow and a little bit of black uh, fans now with this information what we see we call it the disco suit because that's the best way to describe it even though disco was already done 
But Dick shows back up at Titan Tower. And he's dressed with his new persona. And he introduces himself for the first time in issue 43 of the new Teen Titans as Nightwing. Also at this time, though, Joey has also decided to take up a name, and he names himself Jericho. So Jericho and Nightwing head to the Hive base, where they take out a bunch of Hive shock troops, and eventually, though, they are detained. Jericho decides at that moment while captured to take control over his father, Deathstroke, and having Deathstroke help release the Titans while Deathstroke is being controlled by Joey. Being enraged by what she sees, by what she sees, Tara ends up losing full control. To her, the idea that Deathstroke has any feelings for her for his son makes him weak, and that's exactly what he told Tara she couldn't be. She couldn't love. She couldn't have emotions. She had to be. She had to be, you know full-fledged emotionless to be an assassin you couldn't have this you couldn't do it so tara being enraged she just goes crazy and loses complete control of her powers and her mental state but of course because he has a soft soul believing tara hasn't fully gone bad beast boy tries to save her but tara ends up bringing the earth down and kills herself while doing so. The Titans bring back Tara bo- Tara's body to New, York, to New York to have a burial. It's a small service and only the Teen Titans and Batman's team called the Outsiders attend. Tara's brother, Geoforce, who I already stated was a member of the Outsiders of the time, is left to believe that his sister died a hero. So there's the story and the origin of not only how Dick became Robin, but it's also the origin of how he became Nightwing. I think that's kind of the cool thing about Dick Grayson at some points is that, you know, from 1940 until 1984, obviously he was Robin. And and not even until 1984 because he had already stopped being Robin in a couple of issues before. So he... He goes, he looks at himself and he says, you know, I, I don't want to live in the shadow of Batman. I'm done fighting because of all this, all, all the loss that I've suffered, all the hurt that I've suffered. I don't want to do it anymore. But the moment that he finds out that his friends are in trouble, he goes, he dons a new suit and he takes on the name of Nightwing. <clears throat> I posted early in the week that in the 60s, uh, there was a character from Krypton whose name was Nightwing. He was a superhero in Krypton and became a legend. And in the uh, kind of revival of Nightwing in the early 2000s, an author named Chuck Dixon included this story in that write-up. He, uh, <clears throat> he had Dick go to Metropolis and meet with Clark. And during this time, Clark has to save somebody, obviously. So he ends up uh, helping Dick and explains the story of Nightwing. And, of course, Dick says, I like it. And wouldn't you know what? He takes up the name of Nightwing. So there are different 
kind of passings on how he gets the name. Obviously, in the first run, Nightwing was just a name given to him by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. And not to mention, like, you got to remember they created Starfire and Cyborg and Raven at the same time, right? So they have a big dealing with the Titans here. And even Teen Titans Go! that's on now because it's those characters that you're seeing, right? So it's... Dick's story goes so much further than just being this sidekick of Bruce Wayne. Having taken up the new persona of Nightwing, Dick decides that he's going to leave Gotham and heads out to protect Gotham's sister city called Bloodhaven. He's also known to work in New York, San Francisco, and the good old Windy City, Chicago. During this time, Dick returns to Gotham every so often helping his former mentor and aiding in development of the new Robins. Dick realizes, though, that the second Robin, Jason Todd, never going to take to his help. However, Jason ends up passing during a storyline called A Death in the Family. It is now an animated movie. You can watch that. It was in 1985. Fans were given the option to be able to call in and decide if Robin should live or if he should die. Fans voted that Robin should die. He comes back later, though, in the 2000s as the Red Hood. That's a whole different story. That's just a breakdown of what happens to the second Robin. However, after Jason dies, Tim Drake, watching old videos of Batman and Robin, so the, and watching old videos of the original Robin, he notices that Robin does the same kind of roles that his old hero, Dick Grayson from the Flying Graysons, used to do. Tim's detective skills are so good that he legitimately tracks down Dick and Bruce and says, I want to be the next Robin. Bruce is hesitant, but Dick says, look at his, look at his detective skills. Look what he's already done. He's far more trained than Jason and I ever were at his age. Bruce finally gives in and says, okay. And with that, Dick develops a great relationship with Tim. And they become like older brother and little brother. There's... (laughs) At one point, Tim retires from the Robin position and becomes Red Robin. There's a whole bunch that happens to him in between there. But it's at this point that Bruce's biological son, Damian Wayne, takes up the role of Robin. Him and Dick kind of have a love-hate relationship. Uh, Damian wants the mantle of Batman and feels that Dick is his main rival in getting the Batman name. No, 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 okay. Before anyone gets angry at me and says I forgot to mention Stephanie Brown as Robin, I didn't. I love Steph as Robin, as spoiler, anything she does. But I'm also talking about Dick here. And I know Dick thought it was a bad idea. And not because Steph was a bad Robin, but because Bruce was just trying to fill in a void that was left by Tim when Tim's dad said, you can't be Robin anymore. It wasn't that Dick was worried about Steph's performance. It was 
Dick worrying about what Bruce was going to do to her and how he was going to train her. And if he was going to give her the attention that she deserved, the same attention that him or Jason or Tim got, could, could Bruce give that attention to Steph? No, and that's what made Dick worry. Stephanie Brown is a great Robin. I'm not ignoring her. I'm just saying the relationship that her and Dick have is much more involved in the Bat family itself outside of her being Robin. So. Dick has also been known to take up the role of Batman on certain occasions. In the Prodigal, prodigal storyline, where Bruce takes off to reevaluate what Batman means... Dick takes up the role. He also takes up the role of Batman uh, after the storylines of Batman Rest in Peace and Battle for the Cowl and Final Crisis. During this time, Dick becomes Batman and works with Damien, who is Robin. It was a great learning experience for both Dick and Damien during that time, but both times that Dick took up the mantle of Batman, he realized that although he may be the most fit and the most or the greatest choice to take up the role, it was something he just couldn't do and decides that Nightwing is the role he truly needs. It's his mark, it's his mask, it's his face, it's who he is. Nightwing has appeared in so many forms of media, uh, recently, he's been in the DC Netflix show called Titans. He also appears in a ton of animated movies and TV shows, such as Young Justice, Young Justice Outsiders, uh, Batman Red Hood, Batman Harley Quinn, Teen Titans vs. the Justice League, Teen Titans The Jericho Contract, uh, plus so, so many others. And these are just the appearances of Nightwing. I'm not talking about the appearances of Dick Grayson as Robin. Because if we're going to do that, I mean, the two biggest portrayals of Dick Grayson in any live action, aside from the most recent with Titans, with uh, Brenton Thwaites playing uh, Dick Grayson, Burt Ward played Dick Grayson in the 1966 live action Batman show along with... You got to know him, Adam West, right? And there we go. And to a lesser extent, although I think he played a good job of being Dick Grayson, I think the writing was horrible. Chris O'Donnell took up the role of Dick Grayson in Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. In Batman Forever, when he decides what he's going to name himself, he says, so who am I going to be? Nightwing, which is obviously a, a homage to the character. And for the age that Dick was in Batman Forever, he probably should have been Nightwing instead of Robin. And it's also in Batman and Robin that we get a cop-out suit of Nightwing. It's this the one at the end. It's the silver symbol on... Dick's chest, that is the Nightwing suit, but instead of it being blue, which is what it should be, it was red for a while in the New 52. I don't like the red. Nightwing's symbol should always be blue. As Robin, red. As Nightwing, blue. 
It just makes sense. To me, anyways. So, although he hasn't really shown up in live action, except for, like I said, in the new Titan series, there have been little pokes and prods and little ha-has to the one and only Dick Grayson, right? So, he's also been in uh, the PlayStation Arkham series. So, if you've played any of the Arkham games with Kevin Conroy doing the voice of Batman, Mark Hamill doing the voice of the Joker... He, uh, Nightwing has appeared in a bunch of those games. There are, uh, Arkham Knight, you can play as Nightwing. I believe Arkham City, you can too. Uh, and he's going to be a main playable character in the new game coming out called Gotham Knights. Uh, in this, Bruce has passed on. He's left a message for the remaining members of the Bat family. Uh, so, which are at this point, I believe it's just... I don't know where Tim is. It's like they leave out Tim now. but So it's Damien, Dick, Jason, and good old Barbara Gordon, Batgirl. So that's who's going to be in this new game coming out. Nightwing, though, has also led so many teams. As already stated, he formed and led the Teen Titans, also forming and leading the other team called Titans. Also, for a time, he led a team called Outsiders, named after Batman's group from the 80s when Batman himself left the Justice League. He's played integral parts in both the Batman Incorporated series and in the Bat family itself. He is the first Robin. He is Bruce's right hand, as much as they may not agree. Bruce has a problem. Dick's the one he one he calls. If he needs to find out something, and you know, scientific or prolific, he calls Barbara because that's who she is. But if he needs help, if he needs to go run a mission, if he needs the guy who he knows is going to be there for him, one thousand percent of the time, not even a hundred, a thousand percent of the time, it's gonna be Dick Grayson. Dick is gonna show up every time without question. More so as Nightwing than he ever did as Robin. Because again, as Robin, he was trying to find his way, right? Once he became Nightwing, he knows who he is. He knows what he wants to do. He's also helped the Justice League in some huge crisis stories. So there's Identity Crisis where there's a character uh, who... It looks like he's going after former members of the Titans and Dick ends up getting a member from each incarnation of the Teen Titans or the Titans themselves. So whether it's Titans East, West or whatever, he gets a member from each one and there's an awesome panel and it's all of them standing together and it just says Titans together and it's Dick calling it out and having led all these teams, you're just like, so it's great to see. But he was also a pivotal point in... uh, Infinite Crisis, he played a big role. Uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, not so much, and I think that's only because they were focusing on Jason at the time. I mean, he was there, but it wasn't as a a prolific role as, say, you know, Infinite Crisis itself. Uh, Final Crisis, he did play a a role in, uh, but Final Crisis was based around the... 
Green Lantern lore. So that's a, a really good series if you're a Green Lantern fan and you want to get into something. There's that there. At one point, after Dick gives up living in Gotham and goes to live in Bloodhaven, he also goes to college to become a police officer. That's crazy. He, so he not only fights crime during the day, or at night, he fights it during the day too. See, it's, a, it's just incredible. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I love the character of Dick Grayson so much was he was just an ordinary kid. No special powers, nothing. He's adopted by Bruce and he works his ass off to help protect the people around him and the less fortunate. After he, after he realized that the revenge wasn't going to do anything, even if he did hurt Tony, there was nothing that was going to bring John and Mary back. Nothing. So, instead, Dick really looked at it like Robin Hood. I'll help out the less fortunate and give back to them. Dick is in no way perfect, and he is the first one to admit it. He's made huge mistakes, especially while leading the teams. But the best thing is that he's never once forgotten where he's from or how he started off. As that little boy in the circus. As a flying Grayson. That's it. There's a point in the comics too. Where Bruce tells Dick. Like. Cyborg's the youngest out of all of us. But. I brought you in to help us fight this. Because. If I can be a part of the Justice League, then one day I'm going to have to have you prepared for the Justice League. And Dick looks and says, I'm going to be part of the Justice League. Bruce says, you're not going to be a part of it. You're going to lead it. Okay. If that right there doesn't give you the idea that Dick Grayson is the greatest hero. You can call him a vigilante. You can call him a superhero. Whatever you want to call him. If that right there, the words from Batman, the Dark Knight, you know, if those words there don't resonate and tell you that Dick Grayson is the best, I don't know what will, my friends. I just don't know what will. I'm honestly not really sure what more to say about Dick Grayson. I've hopefully I've given you information that you may not have known. His story is just it'll never be done. There are huge fans of Nightwing or the first Robin, whatever the case may be, huge, huge fans of Dick Grayson. Team after team, scenario after scenario, Dick comes out on top. He is the best. And with that, thank you for joining me on this walk through the life of my favorite hero, Dick Grayson. Hopefully I've opened your eyes on to who Dick really is. He's not just a sidekick. 
and he's not just a silly boy like he's depicted in Teen Titans Go, which I actually don't mind. It's funny. I enjoy watching it with my son. So again, thanks for joining me in week 10. Thanks for all the listens, guys. Next week's episode has actually been requested by a couple of people, uh, but you'll have to check out Instagram and Twitter to find out what that's going to be. So Instagram is at nerdbabble, so at nerd underscore babble, and Twitter is at nerd underscore honest. So whether I see you on Insta, Twitter, or you're giving the podcast a listen, I just wanted to say thank you so much for all the support you guys have given Nerdbabble. It's been an experience, and I can't wait to continue this with all of you. So until next week, babblers, babble on.